0: 20 years ago, the world changed when 19 terrorists killed almost 3,000 Americans by hijacking three passenger airliners and crashing them into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. A fourth plane was taken and even more people would have been killed if not for the heroic actions of the passengers on board. It's a day America swore to never forget, but there's a good chance you've forgotten some details of the day or there are things you never knew in the first place. This week on HPH, we're telling you the somber tale of that fateful day and the changes it brought to the modern world. So grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this week's episode of 100 Proof History, titled 9-11 Part 2, Coming Down. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So grab a drink, sit back, relax. And enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts,
1: Chris and Greg. Hello and welcome in everyone. Happy days are here once again. Oh, oh, wait, no, this is 9-11 part two. Yeah. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah, let's uh, just be up front with them. We said it last time, but if you didn't make it that far, you didn't listen yet. Why not? But also, probably not going to be a lot of jokes this episode. I can't promise, but uh, it's pretty serious and heavy material, so. Just like your mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the only joke in this episode. (laughs) That's it. I hope you enjoyed it. My mom sure didn't. Yeah. That doesn't accurately describe her. No. No, it doesn't. See? Like now, like he's he, saying, we got nothing here You we took the nothing. joke away The only it's... joke you took in... <laughs> that's, oh. not,
0: it's, it's, that's not true That's not true, I'm sorry I apologize immediately
1: Chris's mother <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was like, well, if she does listen I don't want to think and I really think that <laughs> <laughs> Give her a complex <laughs> Yeah No, but uh, You know, we'll, we'll do what we can here and there it's definitely a serious subject. I mean, most of these subjects, let's be honest, are serious. But time heals all wounds, so right. to speak, and yeah. people have less personal connections to, you know, something that happened a hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, two thousand years ago, than they, you know, something that is coming up on its
0: twentieth anniversary. And that's kind of brings me to another point. Um, last week, I mentioned it. I, I said the wrong thing. I said flashpoint memories, but I meant flashbulb memories. And basically that, what that is, is when you experience a traumatic event, your brain like latches on to that event and says, I was here when that happened. So everybody knows where they were on 9-11. But then it kind of fills in details, like the out-of-focus things in a, in a picture. So people drastically misremember what they saw, where they were, that kind of thing. You know, I, for the longest time, could swore up and down, I was watching live on TV when the second plane hit. But then I start thinking about it. I was like, you know, I was probably still asleep. Because I remember my mom bussing into the room. And we lived in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And she busts in the room, says, wake up, we're under attack. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? And then she leaves the room. You're like, what is happening? And then you go and see the TV. And that had to be after the second plane hit. But in my brain for the longest time, I was like, oh, no, I was watching live when that thing happened. You know And I think that happens to a lot of people.
1: Well, that's why, you know, they say witness testimony is historically just very inaccurate. Yeah. yeah. Because there's so many things about the detail of memory that it changes. Mm -hmm. And your mind wants to make sense of of something. And when it doesn't have all of the information, it fills in the blank. Yeah. And it's very hard to discern, you know, fact from fiction at that point.
0: Yeah. But one of my favorite things to do is when I'm... You know, around newish people, you know, you're trying to get to know somebody, and there's always that awkward pause in the conversation. You know, like, you have a good laugh, you're like you're just, and you're coming down from it, and they go, where were you on nine eleven? You see what... Yeah. what yeah. That's a good icebreaker. Yeah, most people actually just answer the question instead of realizing you don't really care, you're just being an idiot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is funny. I have a very similar story to, I guess, yours. I was sleeping, I had first period off in high school, and... Uh, My mom came in my room and woke me up. I was so inconvenienced feeling. Right. (laughs) And she was like, Hey, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And I'm like, Why is this crazy woman waking me up for this? Who cares, right? (laughs) You know, I'm thinking a single engine plane, (laughs) you know, like whatever. Yeah. That's weird. Why are you waking me up? And uh, so I started to drift back asleep. and, And she had come in and told me about the second one. And then I was like, What? Like, I, it wasn't processing. Yeah. And, you know, then I go in the living room and see the replays on CNN or whatever. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's weird, man. But like you said, everybody remembers where they were.
0: Yeah. And then you spend the whole day going, I'm going to fucking kill somebody for this. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to fucking die for what they did to my country. Toby Keith's going to write an amazing song about this. It's going to rally everybody. <laughs>
1: I saw uh, uh, Kobe Teeth, as I call him, in Afghanistan, actually. Oh, did you? On did he USO play? a USO tour. I did. Did he play the he, song? Of course he did, dude. <laughs> He's not going on a USO tour and not playing that fucking song.
0: We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the
1: American way. <laughs> that pandering motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Awful song. Well, Chris, did you want to tell the beautiful people
0: about our sources today? Okay, yeah, same sources as last week. Uh, first, the 9-11 report. The National Commission on Terrorist Attacks Upon the United States by Thomas H. Keane and Lee H. Hamilton. That was really heavy last week. There's not going to be a lot from that in this uh, episode. We're going to pull a lot from our second source. Fantastic book. We told you already. Go fucking read it. It's called Fallen Rise, the Story of 9-11 by Mitchell Zuckoff. Amazing book. It really is. Putting together the show... This week, I didn't put in a lot of the personal stories that make up that book. You know, you try and keep just fact-based or whatever. There are a lot of stuff that will just devastate you, but also uplift you. I mean, it's an emotional book. So, really, really recommend it. And I'm not going to lie, putting together an outline. Even though, I mean, I guess it's the same thing we're talking about. 20 years ago, I remember it very vividly. So, there are times where I'm reading something and I start like, Oh God, oh God, I can't believe what happened. You know, I start getting all misty and emotional and my wife comes and makes fun of me and shit and she's like oh you're on your period again huh my like, god damn it why would you That's a deb- sexist joke wife <laughs> yeah you know i can't do that you not, <laughs> not being able to have children is my greatest regret in life i would take your uterus and your periods in a second put them in my butt doctor she's just just put them in there it's just a joke we'll work
1: out the rest
0: Calm down god here's some chocolate in a ladies
1: magazine jesus <laughs> Yeah, my wife, uh, she walked in when I was reading the book, and I was just sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah. And she was like, wow, that must be a powerful book. But then she realized, like, I had, I'd been opening my mail, and it was actually a letter uh, from my uncle who's in prison that uh, he wrote me. And
0: is he finally asking for forgiveness or just well, it's retelling the story? <laughs> hey, you remember when?
1: He's really rubbing my nose and <laughs> shit, so to speak. <laughs> But anyway, that's a, that's a tale for another day. It sure you ready is. To,
0: you ready to get into this story? Let's do it. When we left you, the 19 terrorist hijackers have just woken up in their various hotels around the eastern U.S. seaboard, and we're getting ready to be complete and total fuckheads. The night before, the leader of the terrorist cell, Mohammed Atta, and one of his buddies had driven from Boston to Portland. That is a long drive. Oh, uh, Portland, Maine, Greg. Portland, Maine. Oh, I mean, it's still a couple hours, you know, out of the way, going up there, seeing the sights. It's
1: basically the same thing. Yeah, it's basically Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, same city. The cops aren't allowed to police their own territory. Everybody's mm-hmm. smoking weed. It's fun. It's rainy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it basically, basically the same
0: thing. It basically, it's the same thing. Good point. That night, they had some Pizza Hut. They went to Walmart. And then they got into a bed and probably shared the bed. It's not a sex thing. It's just, you know, you're going to die tomorrow. Might as well cheap out on the hotel room, get the single queen,
1: and get a double for. I actually don't subscribe to that theory. No? These dudes are sure that they're getting 72 virgins the next day. Oh, yeah. So they're getting ready. They're prepping.
0: Like, I've never been with anybody. You've never been with anybody?
1: No, okay. Is it like rubbing one out before a date? Yeah, why don't we just practice kissing a little? But with a buddy. Yeah, yeah, you know, bros, bro time. Bro job, bro job.
0: (laughs) Well, the next morning, they had a commuter flight back to Boston for some fucking reason. I guess they thought it'd be less suspicious if they flew back to Boston instead of, like, all the guys arriving at the airport at the same time. But we'll never know. But that morning, at the Portland airport, Otto was a complete and total dickhead to the lady working the ticket counter, and he brought some attention to himself. That is probably why he was subjected to the extra-serious, super-double-extreme airport security measures that existed in 2001. Oh, shit. Yeah, they're gonna get him. They're gonna get him. Oh, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, they just waved him through a metal detector, and the, that metal detector couldn't detect anything, you know, smaller than a giant
1: fucking dirty, hairy revolver. Like if You're gonna have, like, a Claymore. <laughs> yeah. But a, a small knife? Yeah. Or a box cutter? It's getting right through.
0: Straight on through. And then after he was waved through the metal detector, they waited to put his bag on the plane until after he was in his seat. You see, in those days, the idea that a plane would be hijacked was old news. An American plane hadn't been hijacked in over 15 years. The big fear was that a terrorist would check a bomb, leave the airport, and the bomb would go off while the plane was in the air. And if a plane was hijacked, the basic thinking was the hijackers would make demands and all the crew had to do was comply. Everything would be all right do they still do the thing at the airport where they ask you if you found any unattended bags or they tell you not to leave bags unattended and stuff like that? Do they still do that? I haven't
1: heard it. It used to be like the random PA announcement. Yeah. Like there was at the a time. specific in- interval. I haven't heard it in a while, but yeah. maybe it's just like background noise to me at this point and I don't notice it, but I don't think so. Yeah. Because I remember thinking that, um, see several weeks ago, a month ago when I was in the airport, mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, I haven't heard that announcement in a while. Yeah. But that thought left my mind in like 30 seconds, so maybe it came on right after that and I didn't notice. Usually, I'm going to leave this bag unattended. Let's see what happens.
0: Let's see what happens. They open it up and it's just a bunch of vibrators going off at the same time. Oh, God. (laughs) That's worse than the bomb. Most of the
1: time, it's an alarm clock. (laughs) Every (laughs) Once in a while, it's a dildo. (laughs) We'll fight club call back there. Um. But kind of on that subject, like I remember when nine eleven happened, it was at the tail end, and honestly, it was probably past due of its the bomb being in common vernacular. Oh yeah, and so everybody was like, yeah, man, that's the bomb. Yeah, but then it it kind of had a resurgence because it's like, oh, now that's bad to say. You don't want to say bomb. <laughs> you know, there's several movies from that time period, like comedies, where they make light of that, like Meet the Parents, I believe. Oh one yeah, one are you singing the bomb yeah. song. Bum bum, yeah. bum 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 bum. <laughs> yeah, but uh, a little known fact, actually, in the years leading up to 2001, if a passenger was selected for additional screening, they were also subject to a pat down and a search of their bags. Who knows if this would have hampered the 9/11 attacks at all? But it didn't matter because the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, had abandoned them completely because people were complaining about long lines at the airport. Now they're like, get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Hey, your plane's leaving at ten AM? You better be here at six thirty, you
0: motherfucker. You better you be- give us a hundred dollars. to Get that, yeah, that yeah. pre-check, bitch. Are you the uh the speedy guy at the airport? Or are you the guy that shows up eight hours before your flight?
1: Um, you know, I show up early because it's like Okay. I call it being responsible, but really it's an excuse to go to the bar and drink <laughs> once I'm in the terminal. You know? It's like, well, I've got all this time to kill. Yeah. See, I'm such a
0: stress and anxiety riddled person that i have to get there early i have to be sitting at the gate with like two hours to spare. and then like if i'm traveling with my wife and daughter and they get up to go to the bathroom i'm like checking the fucking watch like every 30 seconds they're gone they're they're gonna call our seats and then i know some people who are literally getting there like 20 minutes before their flight takes off and they're like begging people to let them through the security line so they can push through and try and get up there and get on their fucking flight and it works. I don't know. It works for them, but I'm like, how do you live like that? How do you Ugh. like not immediately get on the plane and just like have a fucking
1: stress heart attack? Just keel over. <laughs> I don't know. I, I never follow up with those people. Maybe they do. Yeah, that's true. Once
0: at Boston's Logan International Airport, Ada and his four co-conspirators breezed through security and boarded an American Airlines Flight 11 bound for Los Angeles. The Boeing 767 airliner was loaded with 81 passengers and 11 crew members. It was also loaded with over 76,000 pounds of jet fuel, which is the same weight as a 40 foot fire truck. Well, Greg's mom turned it around on you. I'm sorry, Greg's mom. I know it's
1: it's glandular. No, she didn't listen. That's fine. It's, it's glandular. I, I know. She can't <laughs> help it. Dude, my mom is so sexy. You don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: At 7.59 a.m., the plane lifted off and made a wide U-turn toward the New York border with five terrorists sitting in first class. Mm, fucking jealous, actually. That's all I am is jealous, like these motherfuckers. They're not going to finish the flight. They're not going to take advantage of the, the meals and the booze and the nice legroom. Pieces of I know. shit. It's taking shit for granted. You can't. Just get the fucking wing seat in economy, you piece of
1: shit, so you can hear the jets at least for a little while, and you're like, oh, I got a fucking headache from this shit. So two things. Uh-huh. If I was first class, uh-huh. being able to board first, not a perk. No. Not a perk at all. I get on there, like, last fucking call. I'm the only dude in the terminal, and they're just staring at me, and I'm like, <laughs> do I have to now? And then I get on. <laughs> uh, and second thing... When I walk by the people in first class, mm-hmm. I look at every single one of them like they're a terrorist. Do yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Independent of nine eleven. It's just how I look at those people, like, oh, you think you're so much fucking better than me. Yeah. We'll eat the rich. If I get hungry in flight, we're gonna fucking come up here and eat you. See, that surprises me. I feel like you would want to be the first
0: first class guy. Already have the champagne in hand and just hmm at every
1: guy that walks by. Well <laughs> if I was in that position, yes. Let's be okay. honest. I would see the world differently. I'm sorry, so where are you sitting? <laughs> just do that to all hundred people that walk by. <laughs> like a uh, seat number? Uh 37A. <laughs> this guy has double digit The, the seat flight number. the flight attendant comes around like, oh no, he's not he's not part of the crew. He's just <laughs> laughing at all of you. <laughs> like I'm gonna direct him to their seat. Yeah, he's just standing just at the just front. chiding them. <laughs>
0: At 8.14 a.m., the pilots of Flight 11 verbally confirmed a request from air traffic control to make a 20-degree turn. Seconds later, the flight controller instructed them to climb to 35,000 feet. The plane climbed to 29,000 feet and stopped, and from that point on, no one responded to the air traffic controller at all. In the short period of time between 8.14 and the radio silence, One of the terrorists had jumped out of their seat and attacked two flight attendants with a knife or a box cutter. They then slit the throat of a passenger, most likely former Israeli commando Daniel Lewin, and then they sprayed mace, or pepper spray, into the passenger compartment and ordered all of the passengers to the back of the plane. Daniel Lewin was not targeted, he was was just where he was sitting. Like, he was sitting in front of the, the terrorists. They jump up and kill him before he knows what's happening. Kind of just send a message, this is what we'll do. Just so people,
1: you know, I did mention he was Israeli. I didn't want people to think that was a part of it. It was just. Well, that's what I was wondering while reading this. I was like, did the dude have a yarmulke on or something? Where they're like, yeah. oh, fuck this guy in particular.
0: No, it seems like that was their plan on every plane. It was just whoever was in front of them, that guy dies as a part of their, their attack. Send a message. Yeah. Muhammad Atta and his dickhead terrorist buddies then moved into the cockpit and they either killed or incapacitated the pilots. They then turned toward Albany in upstate New York and then turned off the plane's transponders. The transponder is a part of the plane that lets air traffic control know where it is, what its altitude is, what its heading is, what the flight name and number is. All that stuff gets sent back to air traffic control across the country. Uh, When you turn it off, the plane will still be visible on radar. You just don't have any information about how high it is, which, which direction it is, how fast it's going, or the plane's name anymore. So once they did that, it was just a blip on a radar with hundreds of flights around it, so they're trying to track it, you know, manually, and it becomes very difficult. Yeah. At 8.24, Otta picked up the radio, thinking it was the plane's intercom, because he's a fucking moron, and he said, We, we have some planes. planes. Just and stay quiet. Stay okay." We're
1: returning to the airport. And uh, who's trying to call me here? American 11, are you trying to call
0: See, and that's, that's the big problem. He's trying to keep everybody calm, like trying to reassure them, but he doesn't have, and I, I don't have it either, I can never do it, the pilot voice. You know, those guys can give you the worst fucking news. They can tell you, you know, uh, this is your... Captain speaking. Um, I just wanted the passenger in 4G to know that his parents have decided to get a divorce and it is his fault. Outside, it's a sunny <laughs> 77 degrees. You know, they just nailed that shit and he didn't have it. He, didn't, they, he couldn't calm him down. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Around the same time, American Airlines flight attendant Betty Ong used the plane's airphone to call the American Airlines reservations hotline to report what was happening on the plane. There's so many problems, red tape bureaucracy stuff in this story where they were completely unprepared for something like this to happen. You would think that they would be trained to have some number that they would call, like, hey, we got fucking terrorists, something really bad happened on the plane. But, like, she knew to call the reservations, we're going to talk about another guy who calls somebody
1: else later, and they don't have a direct line to somebody. Well, it's also the reason that she called reservations, in case anybody's wondering— is it's one of those like back of the seat telephones? Yeah. Do they still exist? I don't know. But uh, basically that that's one of the default numbers. Yeah. Because the whole idea is like, oh, you pick this up and boom, we're gonna sell you some more tickets. Right. 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 So that's why she like she was able to get a hold of them basically. Yeah. She's very. She basically hit
0: zero or whatever, I mean, hit the reservations instead of you know they don't have a nine one one. Like, what's the address of your emergency? I don't know. Thirty thousand fucking feet above North New York. Send the fucking police. I don't know. Help me. Shit. You know. <laughs> Give us the police planes. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're too busy in the poor part of the country, harassing those folks.
1: Just get us the police planes up here, and 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 get us uh, ambulance planes. I'm starting to realize the gravity of my situation. <laughs> Conversation probably went something like that. Yeah. Or. It actually went like this. The cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mates that we can't breathe. I, I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. Yeah, so sorry for joking about it.
0: Yeah, I, I like I say, you got to bring some levity. We're not making fun of her. She's She did the best she could. She really did.
1: She's a very pretty lady, too. Mm-hmm. Not that that, you know, yeah. matters. <laughs> okay. But I'm just saying, maybe one of the... One of the T's could have fallen in love with her and... Could have changed the story. <sighs> I don't know. I'm being incredibly insensitive right now. I, and I apologize. There. Yeah.
0: Just keep digging. Just keep digging. I love it. God, God damn it. <laughs> it. Oh, six feet down and I just found a bear trap. Let me just put my foot in that. and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is for you, Betty. <laughs> the report Betty sent went through various channels throughout American Airlines, and they began trying to contact the pilots to no avail. But American Airlines didn't try and contact the FAA or Boston Air Traffic Control to let them know what was happening. Back in Boston, they kinda, sorta had it figured out, but they, for some reason, waited 12 minutes to notify the military of the hijacking, and even that was after Atta had once again mistaken the radio's mic for the plane intercom system and told everyone that they were going back to the airport. In reality, the plane had turned and was heading straight for New York City.
1: In little-known fact, the nearest airbase, the Northeast Air Defense Sector in Rome, New York, didn't exactly jump into action either. Turns out they were going to run a simulated hijacking later that day, and when word of Flight 11 reached them, the commander shouted, The hijack's not supposed to happen for another hour! Accent and emphasis mine. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, how does he know? That's what I want to know. How does
1: he know when the hijacking's supposed to happen? Hmm. Well, literally in that same sentence it was a simulated hijacked ah, convenient that they were convenient going to do. yes uh-huh. mm-hmm. I see I see whose side you're on looking George Bush guy oh, I love the 911 conspiracy theorists It's like, dude you get whistleblowers at you know Valero gas stations right you know when something's <laughs> yeah. muck or a mess. Yeah. how many Thousands of people would have to be in on one huge lie. And to what end? Right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's me
0: with every conspiracy, like the JFK stuff. You know, there have to be hundreds of thousands of people, or hundreds and thousands of people involved in that. Uh, same here. Yeah. But conspiracy theorists, their minds don't work like that. They find one thing they think is inconsistent, and to them that proves that everything is not what it seems. It's all set up. It's all a big deal. Because yeah. w- what about this? And you're like, we well, let me explain that. Yeah, but what about this?
1: Until they get to something you can't explain, because it's like, I've never heard that. And then you look it up later, and it's like, that's not even what they just said was fake. Or, or, right. Yeah. Like, that's not even a real fact.
0: Yeah. they're they're cons- inconsistent. Yeah.
1: They don't even unload the goalposts
0: from the truck. They just wait till you get there, and they're going to hear, peep.
1: Beep, beep, just <laughs> keep them backs, all moving. Yes, come on. He's just back there directing traffic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he's at an airport, so he's got the little orange cone things in his uh-huh. hand. Yeah, yeah, and the vest and the, the hearing protection. Oh, I thought
0: that was for rap CDs.
1: Hmm. I mean, it can be both. No, that's true. You can inject that straight fire into your ears and still be protected. That's true. Fair enough.
0: Another flight attendant, Amy Sweeney made a cell phone call to her supervisor, Michael Woodward. She was able to give the seat numbers of all the terrorists aboard Flight 11, which allowed for them to be identified later. Woodward tried to keep her calm on the phone by telling her to look out the window and tell him what she saw. Amy said she saw water in buildings and then said, quote, We are flying low. We are flying very, very low. We are flying way too low. Oh my God, we are way too low. End quote. At 8.46 a.m., the plane collided with the north face of the North Tower of the World Trade Center between the 93rd and 99th floors at an estimated 440 miles an hour, killing everyone on board and possibly hundreds of people inside the building instantly. Six minutes later, two jets took off from the nearby airbase in search of a passenger jet
1: that no longer existed. Hey, Greg. Yes, Chris. How do you count cows? Using numerical skills I learned as a kid. With a calculator. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> yes. I did not expect a joke there at all. I'm
0: just bringing, you know, just trying to make everybody feel okay about what just happened. Because yeah. I, I don't want to stew in it too long. Yeah. I can feel my life force escaping me, you know? Just, why do we even try? Why do we even fight to live on this earth? Shit like that can happen. Drop a hat. Yeah.
1: Like we said, not a fun episode. Yeah, no, no. But we got a job to do. It's going to get better though, right? And you got to put
0: yourself through it with us. That's true. You know, we're kind of heroes, really,
1: if you think about it. Actually, actually don't think about it. (laughs) Just (laughs) accept it at face value. (laughs) Those guys at 100 Proof History, they're heroes yeah. when, you, when you
0: don't think about it. Please don't mm-hmm. think about it. No, please don't. Please don't. Never think about anything we say that doesn't sound like we're, we're reading it out loud because that's the facts. That's the facts. The rest of it's us. Uh, that's the real us. It's us just being who we are. Yeah.
1: Honest, honest people. And that's what we say when, uh, you know, we talk about serious subjects and you're like, man, those HPH guys are heroes. And immediately after that, we will say, always forget. <laughs> Always forget. <laughs> when it comes to 9-11, never forget. But with this? Yeah, just, just for you. Please? Yeah. Do me a solid forget. <laughs> well, very few people in the world
0: knew what was happening at that moment. People inside the building thought another bomb had gone off like the one that had damaged the complex in 1993. People on the outside assumed the collision was an accident. Even in air traffic control, they weren't entirely sure what had happened because the hijackers had turned off the plane's transponders, like I had said earlier, and now another plane had begun messing with their transponder. United Airlines Flight 175 had left Logan International Airport at 8.14 a.m., about the same time that American Airlines Flight 11 was being hijacked. On board Flight 175 were 51 innocent passengers, 9 crew members, and 5 of Osama Bin Laden's terrorist hijackers. At eight thirty-seven, as Flight One Seventy-five headed south from Boston, Air Traffic Control asked them if they could actually see Flight Eleven. They said they saw the plane at about twenty-nine thousand feet. Air Traffic Controllers instructed Flight
1: One Seventy-five to give Flight Eleven a wide berth. Yeah, that actually reminds me. I was a, uh, was a very chunky baby. Oh, were you? So You're- yeah, my mom had to give up. And all right. So jokes aside, <laughs> my mom was in labor. For I think twenty five hours, twenty three or twenty five, mm-hmm. not twenty four, because I would definitely remember that. Mm-hmm. But she was in labor for that long. C section. <laughs> I'm because of my big wiener. Yeah, big baby
0: wiener. <laughs> you did say you said they called you baby Dick Greg. You didn't see how big it was. Like it, <laughs> it, it was the I size was like three weeks late. It was it was the size of another baby. They thought you were <laughs> twins. This one's got a deformed head. He's going to have to wear a helmet. Oh, God. Oh, my God. What is that? <laughs> Are there two umbilical cords? Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's, let's believe that version of reality. <laughs>
0: well, the pilots of Flight 175 acknowledged that instruction to give the plane a wide berth and told Flight Control that shortly after takeoff, they had actually heard someone broadcast his message telling everyone to stay in their seats, so they had also received the Flight 11 message. After telling Flight Control about that broadcast, the pilots of Flight 175 were never heard from again. Between 8.42 and 8.46 a.m., the terrorist hijackers had carried out the same plan as their co-conspirators had executed on Flight 11. Then these morons attempted to turn off the plane's transponder, but they screwed that up, and only changed the signal, which allowed flight control to track it as it turned back towards New York City from the south. Feels like these guys probably should have paid some attention in their pilot lessons. You know, because we talked about last time, they're like, they didn't give a shit about takeoffs or landings. You know, you might need to know how to work the radio, or, you know, transponders, or, you know, just generic stuff. Like, not, what button make plane go? That was their basic understanding of flying.
1: Sure, and I really hate to be that guy, but they still accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. I know.
0: That was the other hard thing about this story. Usually, you know, when somebody's terrible in history, we can easily find how they were knucklehead idiots and just mock them endlessly. You know, John Wilkes Booths, your Lee Harvey Oswalds, Jeffrey Dahmer, those guys. These guys were successful. I mean, I agree. Well, I hate we don't to know say anything
1: it. about their fucking life really. Yeah. Beyond this stuff. Or getting hookers. Like, oh, that's hypocritical. Uh, yeah. You know, hookers and pizza. Like hut. I never do anything hypocritical, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It sucks. There's not a lot of fucking laughy content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the terrorist
0: pilot of that plane, Marwan Al shehi then almost collided in midair with a Delta plane and then a US Airways jet. Before continuing towards New York. In the rear of the plane, flight attendant Robert Feynman called the United Airlines maintenance line to report the hijacking. And that poor fucking mechanic, man, answers that phone. Jesus. Yeah. He's like, uh, well, that's not an O ring problem. Well, I'm fucking out of my depth here. <laughs> God damn it, why did I answer the phone? My boss was right there. I wanted to show off. Taking a lot of sick days and, you know, showing up drunk. And Jesus, fuck, why did I do this? (laughs) Play it cool, play it cool. Promotion's on the line, Billy.
1: Pretend like one of those days showing up drunk isn't today. (laughs) Gotta pretend hard. (laughs) It was a rough one last night. Oh,
0: God, I'm so hungover. Why did this have to happen to me? Is what he was thinking. Yep. (sighs) Accurate. Yeah. I don't feel good about any joke ever right now. (laughs) I feel good about that one. Okay. Passenger Brian Sweeney called his wife to tell her he loved her. He then called his mom and told her to watch the show Crossing Over, in which the show's host claims to be able to talk to people's dead family members. Is that Miss Cleo? No, nah, it was John Roberts, maybe? You I remember just the guy. Doing do Miss Cleo, Cleo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, she How had to. How you doing to, up there, love? She had to possess. Well, no, she was still alive back then. Okay. I think she was still alive in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. she definitely was. Okay. I thought maybe she was going to have to talk to the medium and she would have to then talk to ghosts. Like, she, he had to possess, be possessed by a black Jamaican woman to, in order to talk to the dead.
1: I don't know why her skin color is important.
0: I guess I didn't think about it. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. I didn't didn't mention her hair. It's black as well. Or her weight. Heavy. Or... uh, Quite heavy. You didn't mention any of those things. (laughs) Black Jamaican. Well, black's not an insult. If I said she's a fat lady... I didn't say it was an insult. I'm just wondering why that was
0: a key descriptor for you. (laughs) Because he's a white man. And so he's being inhabited by a black lady. Don't make me the bad guy here. So you see
1: color. Okay. (laughs) Moving on.
0: At 9 a.m., Peter Hansen, who was traveling with his wife and two-year-old daughter to Disneyland in California, called his father and said, quote, It's getting bad, Dad. A stewardess was stabbed. They seem to have knives and mace. They said they have a bomb. It's getting very bad on the plane. Passengers are throwing up and getting sick. The plane is making jerky movements. I don't think the pilot is flying the plane. I think we're going down. I think they intend to go to Chicago or someplace and fly into a building. Don't worry, Dad. If it happens, it'll be very fast. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. See, I'm fucking getting misty just reading that Where shit. Where
1: are your jokes now, funny man? Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to cry, honestly. <laughs> I really am. Oh, Uh, that's That's just the alcohol it makes you get that way you get sentimental I do emotional yeah I I should have been there to protect him I could have done it I should have flown up there like Superman and gotten that little girl (laughs) taken her to Disneyland ah stop
0: it stop it I won't you're killing me oh that's tough at 9.03, United Airlines Flight 175 collided at an angle between the 77th and 85th floors of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. When Flight 11 hit the North Tower, only a few cameras had caught it, and that footage wouldn't actually be available until much later. That was uh, that French documentary. They're following a fire crew. And, they and if to catch anybody has time.
1: not seen that, 100% recommend. Yeah. It is amazing. It was a... Uh, uh, some- French filmmakers that were following a rookie in uh, FDNY and just kind of documenting his his journey throughout, you know, going up the, the rungs of the fire department or whatever. Like, this is how it is to be a rookie in uh-huh. FDNY. And they were out on like a, uh, I think it was checking for like a natural gas leak or something like that. And they caught with impeccable footage that second uh, collision. Yeah. And then just went. Throughout the day with that crew, and it's just, it's insanity. It's yeah. very, very good.
0: It was very good. I, th- I think it's. I can't we we're very
1: fortunate to to have that. Yeah, it's to be called 911.
0: 911. The documentary is called 911. Yeah, I think it's just called 911. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. It's really good. But when Flight 175 hit the tower, killing all 65 people on board, the whole world was watching, and now everyone knew that the collisions had been intentional. At 9:05 the FAA issued an order prohibiting any further non-military air traffic in the New York airspace. Unfortunately, the next target was in Washington, D.C. This is in January 6th. <laughs> at 7.15 that morning at Washington's Dulles Airport, the five hijackers, including pilot Hani Hanjour, had checked in for American Airlines Flight 77 bound for Los Angeles. And you guys might notice that all these flights are cross country, and that's because they're going to have the most fuel when they crash. A lot of fuel. A yeah. lot of fuel. When they arrived at the metal detectors, the knives they were carrying actually did set off the metal detectors, but they were waved through anyway. Like, fuck it. You're
1: like, ah, what you got there? Oh, just a box cutter. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cutting cool, cool. open boxes when I'm sitting in first class. Oh, you're first class, bastard. Uh, please go ahead. Oh, you know, yeah.
0: So, Once again, the only security precaution was that their bags were held until the terrorists were on the plane with the 53 other passengers and six crew members. I I still even get that because they're like, oh, they're going to blow up the plane, but surely they won't do suicide bombing. That's uh, who would kill themselves, right? Yeah.
1: That would be suicide. Yeah. (laughs) And I can empathize with with the terrorists in a way. In a oh, way. It's not shocking. Go ahead. We No, come on. We have to find common threads throughout humanity. There isn't absolute evil and absolute good. So when I would go to the pizza buffet as a kid, I would get my drink cup, and I would get one of every one of the sodas. Oh. And I called that a suicide. So. Yeah. That's the extent. That's the only way you can relate to them? Yeah. Okay. And being able to die for a cause that you truly believe in. Like when Pornhub took down all the porn that was from unverified members, Mm -hmm. I felt like I wanted to kill myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I, you, now that you mention it, I, I guess I can see where they're coming from because, you know, we came back from break last week and the day before we recorded, you came to the mental hospital where I was hanging out, you know, because I once again attempted to take my life, uh, because they had changed the Skittles, you know, they got rid of lime and replaced it with the green apple, and
1: it's just trash. Okay, that is fucking bullshit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that didn't see? happen
1: last week, it, but yeah. it is fucking bullshit. Yeah. All this was a joke until right now. And <laughs> Now he's angry. That's fucking mad. stupid. You go to Europe, it's still lime. Yeah. Why the fuck do we have green apple? It's so you nasty. Can we- you can't just get a handful of Skittles and throw them in your mouth because that green apple sticks out so much. Lime blended in with the other fruit flavors. No, now I'm fucking. I'm sorry. sorry. We're close to break. We're close to break. I need to fucking decompress. Will you just please continue the story? Okay, I'm sorry.
0: American Flight 77 was airborne by 8:20 a.m. By that time, Flight 11 had been hijacked, and everything was still perfectly a-okay on Flight 175. At 8:51, the terrorists once again sprung to action and took control over Flight 77. They turned off the transponder and turned the plane, which was over Ohio, back towards Washington. The plane flew undetected for 36 minutes before a passing military C-130 cargo plane was able to spot it. They then began to follow Flight 77. Around this time, President George W. Bush, who was visiting schoolchildren in Florida, was notified of the attacks on the towers. Not wanting to raise alarm, he sat calmly as the teacher read out a book
1: titled The Pet Goat. Well, and he also, like, really, really wanted to know how it ended. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. He's only uh,
0: human. I, don't, I can't get to New York in time, but I can finish this fucking book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what am I going to
0: do? Miss <laughs> uh, um, Smith? Miss Smith? There's one thing I don't understand. Is a goat like a boy lamb? Is, are they the same animals? Like, oh, Jesus Christ. This guy's president. This fucking state did George this George Bush us.
1: pulls out a uh, picture of Goat see? That <laughs> was a and thing any, in 2001 For anybody that doesn't know what that is Good
0: <laughs>
1: Check out the Instagram later this week <laughs> uh, Goat S-E yeah. All one word mm. Don't blame me
0: In Washington The government higher ups began to move into bunkers Fighter jets were scrambled But since no one told them what was going on They just flew out to sea Based on an old Cold War defense plan 2001, they're like, the fucking Soviets are coming. I've been training for this my whole life.
1: Iceman Goose, let's go! <laughs> hey, uh, uh,
0: the- uh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I went to the danger zone. Down Wait, where the fuck are we going?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wish you'd stop singing Steve. This is a serious fucking situation. Come on, man. You don't have to do that every time we take off. Fuck. At 937, citizens of Washington, D.C. looked on in confusion as a jetliner rushed over their heads at a shockingly low altitude. Seconds later, the plane smashed into the west wall of the Pentagon at 530 miles per hour, killing everyone on board the plane instantly the Al-Qaeda terrorists had successfully executed three hijackings and attacks. There was still more horror to come that day, but there would also be heroism. And we'll talk all about that after the break. I got no soul left. Emotionally drained. I really hope the back half of this story is just real
1: lighthearted and pick-me-up stuff. Yeah, but you know it's not, so see you in a minute.
0: Alright, we are back from break. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you took a second to collect yourselves. Get everything together. You know, really reflect on life. Or, you know, you you sat down in your underwear and played some video games while you took a break for a second. You just put it on pause. You know, did some unwinding. You know, forgot about all, all your problems. Forgot about how mom's gonna make you go to school tomorrow. Even though you really don't want to, and you know you got that math test you hadn't been studying for. You know, she doesn't know about the weed that you keep in your drawer. You know, you know, just problems we all face as regular adult listeners of podcasts. You know. <laughs> but Greg, I think right now I need something light, refreshing, something to make me feel good about life. Make me feel like I am alive. Like there's nothing that can stop me. For that, I'm going to turn to this 5% alcoholic beverage known as the second half seltzer. Second half salsa! Second half salsa! Second
1: half salsa! Three, two,
0: one. Oh, we both have the same color can there. Yep. Twin towers of refreshingness.
1: Oh no. And they're coming down quick. (laughs) They're coming down quick.
0: Oh, I don't feel good about that. But I do feel good about Greg telling us the rest of this story. Oh, you ready? Yeah, I don't care. I got nothing else to do. We'll see what happens. Let's see what happens.
1: I'm sure it's going to be good. Well, five minutes after Flight 77 had hit the Pentagon, the FAA ordered every single flight in America, 4,546 planes, to be grounded. Just land wherever you can.
0: That's fucking crazy. Just stuck in Omaha, Nebraska for a fucking day. Ooh. That's where I met the love of my life. Truck stop. He was a giant man wearing a corn costume. The Nebraska Husker. Oh, he's beautiful. Giant corn with eyes, heart and a soul, and a giant corn penis. It's all ribbed and shit. It was great. Say la vie, though. You yeah, Here I am now, 20 years later carrying his corn kid to college by myself.
1: That story's so stupid. (laughs) Well, you know, all those planes were grounded. Um, All but one complied with that order. And that was United Airlines Flight 93. The flight was scheduled to leave Newark Airport New Jersey for San Francisco at 8, but sat on the runway until 8.42 when it lifted off with just seven crew members and 37 passengers including four terrorist hijackers by 902 a.m. just 1 minute before flight 175 hit the south tower united 93 had reached its cruising altitude and they said that everything can change in a new york minute, in a new york minute.
0: I don't feel good about that at all. It's a catchy song. Okay, don't blame me. Blame Don
1: Henley for nine eleven. Yes. <laughs> the FAA then began sending messages to pilots across the country to warn them of possible hijack attempts. The pilots of United ninety three responded to one of those messages, asking for confirmation at nine twenty six a.m., and responded to air traffic control at nine twenty seven. At nine twenty eight the pilots were heard screaming Mayday into the cockpit radio. Minutes later, the cockpit recorder would capture the terrorists, indicating that they had killed the pilots and a flight attendant. Over the following half hour, at least 37 calls were made by passengers and crew members. By this time, the world had seen what was happening in New York and Washington, D.C., and they were able to tell the passengers of United 93 how their crisis was likely to end. Knowing what was coming, the hostages decided they were going to have to fight back.
0: Yes, and little-known fact, not only did the knowledge of the other attacks make the passengers of United 93 more prone to take action, they might have been predisposed to do so anyway. Among the passengers were several large dudes, including former rugby player Mark Bingham, former high school quarterback Thomas Burnett, and Japanese college football linebacker Toshia Kooj. And John Holmes. Yes, he was there too. And he's just whip around that giant
1: dick. That giant Greg baby dick. And uh, what was the guy that shoots all the loads? Peter North. Peter North was there as well. (laughs) Yes, okay. I'm
0: glad you answered that question because I wasn't going to be able to finish that one for you, Greg. You're just going to have to figure that out on your own.
1: (laughs) Retro porn stars for 200 please, Chris. (laughs) yeah. At about 9:57 a.m., the passengers began to take a vote, and they decided it was time to take the plane back. Passenger Todd Beamer, who had been on the phone with an operator after a failed airphone call to his wife, told the operator, quote, "A few of us passengers are getting together. I think we're going to jump the guy with the bomb." End quote. He then asked the operator to tell his wife that he loved her. Beamer pulled away from the phone. The operator could hear him say, quote, "Are you guys ready?" Okay, let's roll, end quote. Metal moment. Just honorary metal moment. Hell yeah. Mm, Hell yeah. The passengers quickly overwhelmed the two terrorists who had stayed behind in the passenger compartment. Inside the cockpit, Ziad Jarrah and Hamza al-Ghamdi attempted to block the cockpit doors. Jarrah began making the jet rise and dive to try and knock the passengers down, but nothing could stop them and they began to use a beverage cart as a battering ram to try and burst the door open. Osama bin Laden and his fuckhead terrorist lackeys had intended to crash Flight 93 likely into either the White House or the U.S. Capitol building. Instead, as the passengers furiously pounded on the cockpit door, they knew they were just going to have to crash in the middle of fucking nowhere. Girard put the plane into a nosedive. At about 10.02 a.m., the passengers breached the door and began to fight the terrorists. Gomdi began to shout, quote, hey, give it to me, end quote. Give it to you, son of a bitch. Oh, well, so I'll I- give it to you, terrorist motherfucker. That's what I would have thought
0: of saying six hours later in the shower. Ah, like, oh, damn it, I should have said that when he said that. Fuck.
1: What a wasted opportunity. Jesus. When Beamer was like, okay, let's roll. I would have been like, "Yeah, let's do it," and then I would have gone like into the very back of the plane in the lavatory, and I would just be like crying my fucking eyes out. Please, 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 please uh, buddy, yeah. I want to die. Mama.
0: You know, it's good to know your limitations because I think everybody's like, "Oh yeah, if I'd been there, that shit wouldn't have happened. You know, we've talked about it before. They always think Stick could I- boot up
1: their ass. <laughs> yeah.
0: Little Kobe teeth. Yeah, I, You know we've talked about it before in wars, where like everybody thinks they would be the guy who survived the war, not the one who just. Died as soon as he stepped foot out of the trench. Just got blasted in the face with, you know, machine gun fire. Mm -hmm. So I think most people think, yeah, if I'd been one of those planes, man, I would have kicked their asses. I would have saved the day. President Bush would give me a high
1: five. You know, shit like that. And that's the thing about you motherfuckers. Do you think any of these guys that maybe do show acts of cowardice or maybe just not straight heroism, Mm -hmm. do you think they sit around and they're like, Oh, yeah, I would definitely uh, cower away from that situation. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> no. I know. Uh, I'd go in the laboratory and I'd touch my own butthole because yeah, it yeah. comforts me because yeah. a weird, you know, psychological trauma I developed as a child. Yeah. No, nobody says that shit. Everybody thinks they're going to be a fucking hero. Yeah. So put the put the fucking respect on the name of the actual heroes here.
0: Yeah, and I think we, we talked about that really early on with the Munich terrorists, And how, like, you know, some of the guys fought back and some complied, and you can't fault either one. There was no right decision. You know, you you hope for the best outcome. Oh, yeah, at the Munich Olympics, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, episode four for all of you uh, non-Patreon members. Just saying. Three bucks. Check it out. can hear it. Well, back to the passengers having breached the door to the cockpit. Uh, Someone turned the plane hard to the right, flipping it over. At 10.03 a.m., the plane crashed into a soft, grassy field outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Washington, D.C. was only 15 minutes away by air. The passengers of United 93 had sacrificed themselves and had saved countless lives. Yep, and little-known fact, the person in charge
0: of investigating the crash site of United 93 was the county coroner, who initially said he hadn't seen any bodies. In reality, unfortunate reality... All of the victims of the crash were torn to pieces by the impact, and their remains were all eventually identified. But the coroner's initial statement has been used by fucking moron-ass conspiracy theorists idiot pieces of shit everywhere to claim that that crash was staged. Again, like you said, to what fucking end? Hmm. Like their theory is, I have read the theory, that they landed somewhere else, unloaded everyone, killed them, and then crashed the plane into a field. Like it seems very unnecessary. Like a lot of unnecessary steps there.
1: Why not just crash it right into the field? <laughs> yeah.
0: What's the, uh, you know? Um, I don't really have an answer for that. But have you seen a, uh, you seen how one of those documentaries on YouTube about how jet fuel can't melt steel beams? You seen that shit?
1: Oh, it's very annoying. Okay. And I'll I'll get into that stuff a little later on. Yeah. Believe you me. We're going to win this imaginary argument with the,
0: uh, the listener who's arguing with us right now. You have no power in this relationship. You just have to listen to our fucking points.
1: <laughs> Cuck-ass listener. <laughs> you know what? In our lives, we're the cucks, okay? Mm-hmm. But on this show, <laughs> this show we get to beat the bull. Right? Yeah. I'm not
0: joking. I have had many winning arguments in the shower and then immediately got shot down by my wife as soon as I stepped out. Just get back in the shower. (laughs) I'm right in there. I'm not equipped to handle this. (laughs) Will you at least take off
1: your clothes and stop crying?
0: You don't tell me how to shower.
1: (laughs) Well, back in Washington, D.C., United Flight 77. I hate to start this sentence. With a laugh. With laughter. (laughs) Jesus. United Flight 77. They had uh, penetrated the outermost ring out of five. That made up the structure of the pentagon 125 people on the ground were killed and hundreds more were injured as they crawled through the collapsed interior which had been turned into an oven by the burning airliner in no way are we minimizing the loss of life that occurred in washington but things went about as well as they could at the pentagon following the crash the area that was hit was the only part of the building with sprinkler systems it had blast resistant windows That withstood the explosion and the rigid steel structure held up for 30 minutes, which allowed hundreds of people to escape. It's easy to see how the design of the building played a large role in limiting the loss of life. Unfortunately, that wouldn't be the case in New York. Last week, we told you about the design of the Twin Towers and how their strength was in the outside perimeter of the building with the central core of supports, rather than the traditional series of steel columns running through a building's entire interior. When Flight 11 hit the North Tower, it smashed through the strong exterior of the building and continued all the way through the central columns, which housed the stairwells and the elevators. You know, traditional buildings, the elevators are all throughout the floors, you know, on the perimeter, especially with stairwells. Yeah, Everything's on the perimeter, but in these central core designed buildings, everything is in that central core. So again, when Flight 11 went through that tower, it went all the way to that central core. And disabled every elevator, every stairwell. They were just—they're all fucked and unusable. Yeah. So anyone that was unfortunate enough to be on floors ninety-two through the top floor, one hundred and ten, they're now trapped in the building, and no one from those floors would survive the attacks at all. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's weird because they cut a lot of corners. Surprisingly, building these buildings trying to get them up faster. Surprisingly? Yeah. I guess not surprisingly, but it, uh, unfortunate for sure, because part of the code said you had to have six stairwells in the building. Well, they somehow finagled it to where they had three stairwells in each tower, so that counts as six stairwells. You know, and they, even then, the code still kind of said you're supposed to have at least four in each building, and they're like, ah, ah, you got three. What do we want stairs for? Look at all these cool-ass elevators we got. You go up and down the elevators, who the fuck needs stairs? Idiots, right? Health nuts? Not in 1971, thank you. Our fat asses are going up and down the elevator just
1: smoking the whole way. Driving their big ass cars. Mm -hmm. What is that man running from on the sidewalk? (laughs) I don't see anything chasing him. (laughs) (laughs) but He's running. Yeah. What what is this?
0: I don't think a lot of people realize that jogging is a relatively new phenomenon. Like late 70s, early 80s was when jogging really took off. Before that, you ran if you were running for sport. Other than that, You don't fucking run anywhere. Why would you
1: do that? Get a horse, idiot. If you've ever seen somebody power walking, Mm -hmm. the reaction you had to that, uh, just multiply that by several. And uh, that was how it looked when somebody was just jogging. Yeah. He's running, but he's not running? What is
0: this? (laughs) He's not trying very hard and he keeps going in circles
1: around the park. Fucking weirdo. Anyway, uh, 9-11, a bunch of people died. So. Damn it. As soon as Flight 11 hit the North Tower, firefighters, police officers, and paramedics began rushing towards the building. Had the building just been hit by a plane, it could have withstood the impact. But the crash had knocked off the spray-on fire retardant that was sprayed on the interior of the building's steel structures, which, you know, at that time there was no regulation on how thick it was supposed to be— what manner it was supposed to be sprayed on, right? you know, how many layers, how much drying time. None of that was regulated. And so all that shit got knocked off by impact, which is not what that spray-on retardant is designed to protect against. So it's knocked off. Now you have this fire that was fed by jet fuel, you know, all the office interior, all the contents of those offices. And, you know, you guys have been in... High up areas, maybe on top of small buildings or maybe large buildings, but it's windy up there. It's very windy. And so you have all that shit coupled with now these just huge gusting winds of a now-opened skyscraper that was just burning freely around all of those steel columns, and that was what was supporting the weight of the tower. So, you know, when people say, oh, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams, that is 100% correct. It does not. But what it does is it heats them up. Mm -hmm. And as steel gets hot, it expands. And if steel is supporting weight in a very uniform way across an entire building, and it starts to expand in some areas more than others, that's going to cause a catastrophic event. Right. I think the old adage is, and I do have a little background in this shit, just FYI, but I believe it's a 100-foot steel beam. Will expand ten inches when heated up to a thousand degrees. Right, that's massive. That is a massive difference when you're talking about millimeters of spec. Not only that, the the floor joists, or what what's basically between the ceiling and floor of each floor, is these tubular steel floor joists. They're pretty small. They get what I like to think they're radical, but tubular's fine. We'll go with that. <laughs> They get heated, uh, and you know, like any truss system, geometrically, they are a perfect design until things like heat get applied to them, yeah. and then they fail rapidly. So there was just a lot of factors that precipitated what is about to happen. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there for all the people maybe on the fence about like, well, you know, I guess I could see it happening, but it does seem implausible because – Jet fuel does not melt steel beams. Correct. Yeah. But it fucks a lot of things up. It weakens them though. How about that? How about yeah. that? Anybody oh. on the on the fence of the conspiracy? I'm just trying to pull you over to the side of rationale. Yeah, I this is one of the worst conspiracies
0: because we saw it fucking happen on TV. And so now you gotta think of all the hoops you have to jump through to make what you saw happen on TV reality so you can blow up a building, and that's the thing that is a controlled demolition.
1: The bombs. So we had to crash
0: planes into it instead of just saying terrorists bombed it? Like, why were the planes
1: involved? Well, you know how it is. Engaging with these people, you've already lost. Oh, We've yeah. have already lost. Yeah, shout out to our <laughs> listeners. You're right. Yep. Fuck you 12-year-olds. <laughs> Not literally. FBI. No, no, no. <clears throat> anyway, tangent aside. As the firefighters made their way into the North Tower, even they knew they didn't have the tools or the time to fight a skyscraper fire this large. And they knew for the most part, people would be on their own when it came to evacuating the tower, as they only had the manpower to focus on the injured or immobile. Thousands of 911 calls came from the building, and each dispatcher did their best to help. But the advice they gave was mixed and not always that great. They weren't trained for this, they didn't expect it. You know, some told the people to get out of the building, some told them to wait for help, and some told them to head for the roof, which was completely inaccessible. Yeah, just flying by the seat of the pants, like, get up there in a helicopter, come pick you up. Like, what the fuck? No, why are you thinking this would happen? Dude, I feel like there are a lot of the unrecognized victims of all of this. If you guys just want to have, like, a really bad day, but kind of understand what we're talking about, go on YouTube and look up Kevin Cosgrove's 911 call on that day It is fucking awful Mm -hmm. I feel like it's 10 minutes or more long I don't know It's gut-wrenching But imagine Just being a 911 dispatcher And you're just answering a call And that's that's what you get Is this guy that's dying And he's wanting first responders To get to him And then he eventually resigns to his fate And starts talking about You know, telling his wife and his kids that he loves them it is so so heartbreaking and that happened to every single one of those 911 dispatchers yeah you know having to be on the phone with people that knew they were gonna die or wanted help at first and then knew they're it's just awful yeah and
0: you would have to be the fortunate one who had someone who could get out and then they could you could you actually knew to tell them hey you're gonna have to find a stairwell get out of there because mm-hmm. a lot of them were like, "Hey, you're, you know, you're above the impact zone. We don't know if you can get out. Just stay there." Well, none of those people made it out because they they were told to stay and wait. And that nine hundred and eleven dispatcher has to live with that for the rest of their
1: lives. Yeah, I definitely feel for those dispatchers though, and I don't feel like I've ever heard anybody really recognize that. Yeah, that would be awful. Yes, it would. Hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know why you laughed at the situation, right? You, you laughed. It was a nervous laugh. Chris, no, Chris laughs at, at please, all the victims. Please help, help me. Please. I'm so, so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> well, within six minutes of Flight 11's collision with the North Tower, people began to jump from the upper floors. One of these jumpers would clip the head of New York firefighter Danny Sir as he rushed into the building, killing him. And making him the first FDNY casualty of the attacks. More miscommunication led to disaster in the South Tower. As the North Tower burned, an order to evacuate the entire World Trade Center complex, including the South Tower, was issued, but wasn't properly broadcast to the masses. People in the South Tower actually went downstairs to leave, but some rando security guards decided that since it was the North Tower that was on fire, they should all stay in their own building. Mm, The worst part for
0: these people. When they go down, the security guard tells them to go back up. Uh, the way the building is designed is it has express elevators that take you to a certain floor, and then you wait for elevators to another floor, and they and all- sky lobbies. Yeah, had a sky lobby on the 78th floor, which is right in the impact zone for the plane. Bad
1: luck. Mm-hmm. End of story. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fortunately, hundreds of people ignored him and left anyway. But further hundreds turned back and went upstairs, never to be seen again. Except by Miss Cleo. <laughs> when Flight 175 hit the south tower, it did much more damage to the structural integrity of the tower because it actually hit an angle and it affected like 30-something floors immediately. Yeah. Luckily, heavy elevator equipment had protected one of the stairwells and kept it open for people on the top floors. But the information was never given to 911 dispatchers, and they predominantly told people to stay where they were and wait for rescue. Yeah, and that's what I was actually talking about earlier, where they had to tell them to stay.
0: They didn't know that stairwell was open, so they told them to stay and wait. Stairwell
1: A, I believe. Yeah, and it doomed a whole lot of people, unfortunately. Still, people streamed out of the tower as firefighters rushed in to save those that were trapped, injured, or just waiting for rescue like they had been told to do. At 9.59 a.m., the top floors of the South Tower swayed to the east and the south, and then they went into freefall, pancaking the floors below it as the entire South Tower collapsed into dust and rubble. Just before that, a bomb explosion was heard. <laughs> <in the> basement. <laughs> George Bush was, hey, 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 hey get him! <laughs> About 8,000 people had escaped before the tower fell, but 630 civilians and an uncertain number of emergency workers were instantly killed as the building fell on top of them. When the South Tower fell, which was, that was actually the second tower to get hit, so last hit but first to fall, Right. over 200 firefighters had been in the North Tower for over an hour, making their way up the stairs to rescue as many people as they could. FDNY Command gave the order to pull out of the North Tower, but their radios failed inside the buildings, and several never heard that call. Several did, but it didn't matter anyway, because, to a man, the firefighters on the North Tower had zero intention of leaving anyone behind. Man, that's... reading that, when they're going up
0: the stairs, and they're passing to other uh, companies, and they're telling them, Hey man, did you get the order to go? And I'm like, yeah, but there's still people up there, and I'm still going up there. Like, they just kept going up, man. That was, that was rough.
1: Yeah. That was hard to read, you know? <sighs> yeah, it's even hard to talk about. Yeah, it is. At 10.28, 102 minutes after the first impact of 9-11, the North Tower collapsed in the same devastating pancake fashion as the South Tower had almost 30 minutes earlier. 20 survivors would later be pulled from the rubble, including FDNY Ladder Company 6, who were miraculously trapped in a void in the stairwell after they stopped to help a woman who couldn't walk down the stairs. And it's crazy just reading mm-hmm. their recounting of this. It's like, they knew <laughs> that they were fucked, but they weren't going to leave that lady behind. Yeah. It's like, like well, we we have to go now. Everything inside of them is telling them, like, run. And it's just like, no, we're not leaving this lady. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. Because
0: there's not even, like, an argument. Like, they don't say, you know, it's a movie. They're stopping and taking a vote. You know, like. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's winning like three, two, like, okay, well, like, okay, fine, we'll do it. They don't even hesitate. They're like, she can't make it down on her own. She's been trying to go down the stairs and like, she's struggling. She's out of energy. She's not going to make it down the stairs. And they say, all right, you're with us. And actually from that moment on, uh, she
1: became an honorary member of Ladder Company 6. Yeah. Going forward. And for every one of these stories, there's so many others where they were doing that exact same thing. Yeah. And didn't make it out, you know, yeah. so a lot of heroes involved here. Mm-hmm. Well, not including the worthless shithead pieces of fuck-ass terrorists, 2,977 people died on nine eleven. Among them were 630 in the South Tower, 1,462 in the North Tower, and 421 New York first responders. Not only America, but the world instantly changed. Airline security became strict and invasive. The CIA and FBI realized they needed to actually work together to prevent future attacks. Congress passed a series of laws that allowed intelligence agencies to basically do whatever the fuck they wanted domestically. And the United States went to war in Afghanistan in an effort to hunt down Osama bin Laden and end the al-Qaeda network.
0: Yeah, we're going to get him. We know where he is. We're going to get him. Just right away. No way we're going to drag this shit out for two decades, right, guys? <laughs> oh, fuck.
1: It's been 20 years since that day. Osama bin Laden was killed in a raid in Pakistan 10 years ago, and the security and surveillance measures remain in place. The United States just now ended its war with Afghanistan. If our way of life has been drastically changed by the attacks, did the terrorists win? That's debatable. But what isn't debatable is 9-11 was a terrible, dark moment in human history. And we can't wait until next week, when we here at HPH can get back to making fun of old-timey people for being idiots while talking about our wieners and stuff. You know? End of story.
0: Woo! We did it. You know, I think we did it well. I think we gave it the seriousness it needed. Like we've said several times, it's hard to joke about this stuff. Um so we hope you guys enjoyed it hope you stuck with us because I mean it's it's an incredible story. Uh there's just not a lot you can do
1: as far as
0: <laughs> yeah. you're,
1: you know, court the yuck yucks are hard. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well simultaneously lending the story the proper gravity and respect it deserves, especially with it being recent, and then also trying to add some levity. It's a it's a bit of a balancing act. Yeah. So I hope we did an okay job. I really do, too. I hope we didn't disrespect anybody. You know, nobody
0: felt slighted because that was never our intention if, if that did happen. I, I agree. I do apologize because I don't think I don't think we did. But if it happened, I do apologize because this is obviously something that affected a lot of people. A lot of people still alive. A lot of people that may be listening right now know somebody that died or, you know, may have been there, may have been in New York when it happened. Uh, so hopefully we gave it the due that it deserves.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, this story in particular, but also um, the second one that comes to mind is, you know, us covering uh, Genghis Khan. I just hope that everything <laughs> we said was tasteful and we didn't offend any descendants or, y- you know, we got a podcast to make here, guys. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we right? having a good time not, here. But we don't, we're not trying to piss anyone off. So anybody <laughs> offended about um, the 9-11 stuff or Genghis Khan episodes specifically? Mm-hmm. We apologize.
0: Yes, all the other ones if you're offended by, go fuck yourself. Oh yeah, <laughs> unsub. <laughs> all right, Greg. Well, I'm sad, a little bit drunk, so it's just like my wedding night. <laughs> and there's only so much more to go. Just a little bit more. We're gonna get through very quick. Just close your eyes and get through it. That's what I told my wife. And now it's mm-hmm. time to do the same with fast facts. <laughs> Fast Fact Number One. On July 28, 1945, a B 25 bomber hit the Empire State Building in New York City, killing 14 people. Memories and stories of this collision led people to believe that the towers should have withstood the impact of a plane while completely ignoring the difference in both the planes and the buildings in the corresponding events.
1: Fast Fact Number Two. While President Bush was leaving Florida, Vice President Dick Cheney gave the order to scramble jets to intercept United Flight 93. They didn't make it there in time, and even if they had, no one was entirely sure who, if anyone, could give the order for a military plane to shoot down a commercial jetliner. Putin could do it. Whoa.
0: (laughs) Fast fact number three. Idiot conspiracy theorists always look for gotcha moments when trying to explain how 9-11 was an inside job. One of their big sticking points is how World Trade Center Building 7, which was not hit by a plane, also collapsed. Well, the fucking burning rubble of the North Tower fell on top of it, so I I don't know, it was probably fucking aliens or something. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows?
1: Fast Fact Number 4 In the years following 9-11, more and more people became ill and died from the various carcinogens and chemicals that they inhaled on September 11th. According to our source, Fall and Rise, it is estimated that by the 20th anniversary of the attacks, which is, uh, let me look at my watch two fucking days from now, more people will have died of illnesses related to being at ground zero than were actually killed in the attacks. Always end on a
0: high note. That's what I say. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for that story. Like we said, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope we did it right. But in the meantime, check us out, 100proofhistory.com. There you can find bios on us, links to the social media. Uh, You can also just find us at social media at 100proofhistory. Uh, If you go to our website, you can also find the Patreon, where you can get old episodes, mini episodes, early access to new episodes for just... $3 a month. Also, coming very soon for our Patreon listeners, we're going to do a current event show, uh, basically live and unscripted. We're going to talk about a few current events and just have a good time with it, you know, be our typical idiot selves. Look forward to that, guys. Hopefully, uh, you'll enjoy that. But, for right now, for myself, Wolf Dick, I'm not sure Wolf Dick did anything this episode. Does he even mentioned... uh,
1: He's not on the payroll of this episode. Okay, good. good. Oh, no, he played that song at a very insensitive moment. Oh, that fucking prick. Yeah, he he owes us money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll take it out on him later when the cameras are off. For him, for Dan the Intro Man, uh, for everyone else, I would like to thank you guys for listening. Main host, Gregory. What
1: else? Everything can change. In a New York minute. (laughs) Goodbye.
0: If not for the heroic actions of the... Uh, Sorry. You distracted me with your fucking... I didn't do a fucking thing. Sexy mustache twirls.
1: (laughs) I'm drunk, Chris. Barely (laughs) afternoon and I'm drunk. (laughs) Wife's going to be so pleased when she gets (laughs) over,
0: right? (laughs) At least you won't be pantsless stumbling around a children's parade later.
1: You can't tell the future. You are not Miss Cleo. (laughs) (laughs) We were up against it this week. Not a big deal. That's why I'm not like fucking blaming you. I'm not blaming you. (laughs) You were in a rush. It's not that bad either. I don't know. I feel like I'm dealing with it okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not screaming at me. It's a step. (laughs) (laughs) This
0: is the the rebuilding phase of the the cycle.
1: This is uh, the latter half of basic training. Yeah. I tear you down and build you up in my image. You're still a piece of shit, but you're doing better. You're doing
0: better. (laughs)